and welcome to Scale Your Sales podcast, listed in 2020 as number eight of 42 best podcasts for every sales professional. I am your host, Janice B. Gordon, the customer growth expert and author of Business Evolution, Creating Growth in a Rapidly Changing World. I created Scale Your Sales Framework to develop leading edge capabilities to secure, retain and grow key customer relationships for long-term value and partnership. Join me each week to learn from amazing B2B sales and business experts and influencers. Tune in for actionable insights and strategies. Are you ready to scale your sales? My next guest is Bill McCormick. Bill is the Chief Sales Officer of Social Sales Link. As a LinkedIn sales and social selling trainer, Bill shows sales professionals how to start more sales conversation by leveraging the power of LinkedIn. So welcome to Scale Your Sales podcast, Bill McCormick. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Janice. So happy to be here with you. Well, I'm delighted that you you could join us because I know that you've got um, I love your tone and I listen to your podcast um, with Bryn. So I, I know you've got so much great content and insights to um, give us. So let's just jump straight in. Let's talk about the virtual world and virtual sales. I know that you've you've talked about the no like, and trust. So help me and the listeners to understand what is the difference when you take it virtual? What do we need to do? Well, that, that quote that you get, just gave, no like and trust, that comes from Bob Berg from, from uh, Endless Referrals. At all things being equal, people do business with people they know, like, and trust. And we know that that's true. The problem is when we switch to this new virtual world that we're in, how do people get to know us? How do people get to like us? How do people get to trust us? Through this, through this screen that, that we're working through. And virtual can help you. Social selling can help you. We define social selling as um, building relationships, providing real value, being a resource, understanding that the sales will come when the time is right. And so for LinkedIn, that's where we teach that this, the platform that we live on, you can get to know, like, and trust through attract, teach, and engage. If you attract people to you, to your profile, to your content, and then you use that as a platform, not to talk all about yourself, not to tell everyone, you know, your great resume or that you've been the president's club winner in sales 10 years in a row, by the way, any salesperson that has that on their profile, I'm not going to use them because I figure they're really good salespeople and I'm going to pay more for whatever they're selling. But anyway, I digress. So but what we want to do is we want to attract people in and teach them. We want our profiles to be a, a resource and any content that we create, we want that to be a resource for them and we want them to learn something. Uh, we, we throw around a, 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 a phrase, thought leadership. We want to be seen as thought leaders within our, within our realm of experience. And so by attracting them to us and then teaching them, and then the third thing is by engaging with them, because nothing's worse than you put content out and you read someone's content and you comment on it and they never reply back. You know, it's like why it, we call that posting and ghosting. 
we, we don't want to do that. We can we build trust with someone by having a conversation. And on social, on LinkedIn, that conversation happens in comments. And so when you're posting uh, content, you want to make sure that as people are engaging with it and as people are commenting, you're talking back to them. You, you know, it's it's kind of like Jen, if you're if you're driving down the, the road and you go past someone and they're out on their porch and you wave at them. You know, that's kind of like giving the thumbs up. That's like, you know, giving the reaction. But imagine if you pull over to the side of the road and you roll down your window to have a conversation with them. That's the comment part. Well, if you're on your porch and I pull over to the side of the road, I roll the window down and I say, hey, Janice, how you doing? And you turn around and walk into the house. That's just rude. You, you know, <laughs> but, but but we do that on we do that on social. People comment to our posts and we don't reply back. We don't even say, hey, thanks for commenting back. And to get a little technical, that actually is what helps the algorithm on LinkedIn make our posts go further, farther. So I would say to your listeners, you know, if you have posts that aren't doing so well, take a look at your commenting and see. So all that to say that, that attract, teach, and engage will help you to get your listeners, your prospects to know, and then to like, and then to trust you. Okay. So you're attracting them by your profile, by the content you're posting, um, and the, they like because they like the value you give in your content. Um, and because you're consistent with your content, they begin to trust you because you respond to them. Is that how it yeah. works? That, that, that's how it works. And, and it's a conversation. We, we really have to look at it that way. You know, what, we, what we're looking to do is, is try to take that conversation offline and, and take it into a Zoom call or, or a phone call. So we really have to look at it as it's happening as a conversation. And, you know, I, I mentioned the profile and content. There's really five things that we want our profile or our content to do. And the first thing we want it to do is we want it to resonate with our ideal clients. So we have an idea of our prospects and what they look like. We have an ideal client profile. Maybe they're marketers and they're in the C-suite or in their, their, their VPs of marketing. And that's our, we want to make sure that when they read our content or they land on our profile, they say, okay, that's talking to me, that you know, he or she is speaking to me, it resonates with them. The second thing is we wanna create curiosity. We, I call them lean-in moments. When you see something on the screen, you kind of go in and go, huh. You know, that, and that curiosity then turns into teaching them something new, especially around the problems that you solve. What can you teach them new? And that will then get them thinking differently. That's the fourth thing, getting them thinking differently about the problems that they have. And then eventually that leads to the fifth thing, which is this more raised hands of, hey, I want to know more. Or, hey, yeah, I'm ready to get on a call with Janice because she, she made me curious about something. She's taught me something and she's got me thinking something new. There's more to this. And so if we can do those things, that will lead to more conversations. Okay, so so Bill, how do you do that authentically? Because you talk um, about authenticity being important. So layer that on top of what you've you've just talked about and how you deliver your content and what the kind of reaction you're trying to get. Yeah, great, great question. So authenticity begins with 
being who we are and, and not not embellishing on the things that we put on our profile and not embellishing when we're sharing content, making sure that we're always giving credit where credit is due. And, and then when we're sharing, sharing how we really feel. And when we're reaching out to people, making sure we're doing that authentically and not saying, hi, Janice, I took a look at your profile and I see that you're into X, Y, Z. And so I thought it would be great for us to connect. And Janice goes and looks at her who's viewed my profile and there's no profile view from Bill. Yeah. Or they you reach out to someone with a blanket statement. Janice, I really love the things that you're you're doing at the Scale Your Sales podcast. And then Janice asked me back, well, what exactly is it? And I go. And then quickly, I have to look it up and listen to an episode and find, you know, that's the thing. When we do this blanket stuff, this blanket outreach, we're really not being authentic. You know, we're really trying to throw so much mud up against the wall and we hope that some of it sticks. And, and as my friend Larry Levine says, and he's the one who's really coined this whole authenticity and sales movement with selling from the heart. When we do that, we end up being an empty suit or what I like to say on LinkedIn is we become an empty profile. You know, we're, we're really not uh, putting our best face forward and our best person forward. So authenticity really begins with knowing that, that first of all, while I may want to reach out to you because you can be a prospect of mine, I don't want to start from that place, right? Because we first have to earn the right to have a conversation with someone, you know, and, and when we just lead with Janice, we help companies just like you. First of all, everybody says that. So there's nothing authentic about that at all. And, and also, maybe I am being authentic because what I'm really saying to you is, Janice, all I see you as is a, a name in my CRM or a dollar amount that's in my monthly goal of the, of the sales quota I have. And I'm just trying to get to you so that I can pitch you. And, and that's just not working right now. Um, you know, we saw a real shift in just before the pandemic people were used, starting to use LinkedIn a little bit more. And what we would see is people would send a connection request with no note. And if you reach back out or you accepted, you immediately got a sales pitch. Yeah. And pandemic hit and everybody tweaked it just a little bit. And they just sent a connection request with the pitch right in it, thinking this is going to work. Save time. And, yeah, yeah, save time. I'm, I'm time management. And, and, it, it's, and that could work. It might, if you sell a commodity and you come across my desk with a connection request and I need that thing at that time, that might work. But I think most of us aren't looking for transactional sales. We're really looking to develop relationships with people that can lead to a long-term buying relationship where we can be of service to people and they can, they can get whatever product or services that we have to offer. Um, when you were talking, I was thinking of those um, connection requests, the bland one that people and I'm, you know, I have to be honest, Bill, I do test them out. You know, I ask them, you know, if it's about, you know, I love your podcast. It's like, well, which particular podcast episode did you you watch? Have If you've watched it, have you left a review, you know, or, you know, I really love your profile or I read your article, which particular I'm going to ask you again. 
and it's a good 50% of people never come back again. Right. And the others, then that means they have to do some work, the work they should have done before. But even if they come back having done the work, you've already lost me as a potential client because your credibility has just gone. Um, so it's not a good thing to do. And so talk to me about how important your branding and credibility and, and how you, you can either increase that through what you do on LinkedIn and how easy it is or examples of the, the things that um, undermine it. Well, one thing you just said about undermining it is, is doing these generic outreaches. You know, I call it the LinkedIn pickup line. Um, I see we have some mutual connections, you know, and that's like the, the pickup line from the 80s of come here often. It, you know, it, it's very similar. That doesn't mean anything to me. In fact, I, I just had three interactions this morning uh, with people who sent some of those bland ones. And one was a really good interaction that ended up a connection request. Like I, I really, and he said, finally, he was very authentic and said, listen, I'm new to sales and I have no clue what I'm doing here. Great. I can work yeah. with that. Like yeah. you're being honest. And, and that's what I have to say is you need to be honest and upfront with people. Um, people can smell it. They smell commission breath, as Larry says all the time. And, you know, our BS meter starts to go off. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so what I would say is, first of all, making sure you have your profile set up, not as a resume, but as a resource. Like I said before, you want it to resonate with people. Make sure it's branded the right way. That background banner image that's behind your profile picture, that's like a billboard. That's on the side of the road. And when people look at that, you know, so great. You have a picture of a, a nice seashore. That doesn't help brand you. So, so make sure you're doing that and, and make sure you're using all the parts of your profile in helping people. How, you know, people say all the time, well, well, I, I just want to help people. Well, stop saying that you want to help them and just help them. Just, just do it. Make sure that when you're connecting with people, you have a context and a reason to connect with them. And selling to them is not a context or a reason. And so what do you do? You go on Janice's website and you look through some of her content and you engage with it. So I, I'll ask you, Janice, if, if someone that you didn't know, second degree connection or third degree, and they go on, your, on one of your posts and they have a conversation with you, they authentically engage with you on that would you be more apt to accept the connection request from them? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, because they have bothered to do the research. They may add value something I didn't know. And mm -hmm. I'm always wanting to learn and connect with interesting people that are adding, adding value. So, yes. Yeah. And, and, and so that's a huge key. And here's the thing about the algorithm. When, some, when you begin to, to engage with someone like that, they'll begin to see your, your posts also. So if you're a consistent poster, they're gonna see more of your content. But then, yeah, that gives a great context to then reach out and send an authentic connection request says, Janice, I've been following you. We had a, we had a, a, a brief interaction on your post around XYZ, which I love. And I thought it would be great to connect with you. And here's the key, take a look at my profile and if you think it makes sense, let's connect. Put the ball back in the other person's court and give them an out. And if you do that, first of all, your connection request amounts will go up their acceptance. Second of all, the people who don't connect with you, there'll be a reason for that. And you don't want to connect with them. Yeah. And, you know, so, so be authentic. Don't throw so much mud up against the wall. 
and hope that some sticks. Everybody wants an easy button when it comes to sales. And, and on LinkedIn, they want to, to use some kind of an automation that'll send out just enough connection requests per week, automated, that doesn't get their profile shut down. And here's the thing. If you're using third-party automation on LinkedIn, you're this close to being shut down anyway because you're already violating LinkedIn's terms of use. And it's not authentic. So I was in, let's see, my, my youngest daughter just turned 20, 29. I was like 10 when she was born. Um, but, but And I was in pest, the pest control industry, so that's with the context there. So it's been almost 29 years since I've been in pest control. It's on my LinkedIn profile, buried way down that I was a, a technician for this company. I still get connection requests that say, hey, Bill, as an owner in the pest control industry, I thought it'd be great to connect with you because we help companies just like yours get more clients. And I typically come back and say, you're obviously using automation because I haven't been in pest control for 29 years. And if you had looked at my profile, you would have seen that. Yeah. Never get a reply back. Yeah. Never. Why? Because they don't care. And so how authentic is that? They don't care about me as a person. They care about me as a dollar amount in their, in their quota, another client that they can, you know, another notch in their belt, so to, so to speak. But, you know, the thing is, this is human to human. You know, when, when we're working on LinkedIn, when you cold call someone, they see a phone number. When you send a blast email, it usually comes from, your, from, from a company. You can delete that, you can hang up on or not answer the phone. But when you reach out cold on LinkedIn, they see your picture, they see your name and they see your company. It's much more personal. Mm -hmm. And so when you do these mass outreaches, it can give you a bad name and a bad reputation. When I said before, I think I did, um, we need to slow down our outreach to speed up our outcome. So send out, instead of spamming 99, because if you go to 100 per, per week, you'll get shut down by LinkedIn. So if you do 99 connection requests to just anybody and 10 people accept, you think, that's great. But what did the other 89 people think? Yeah. Where if you do 10 really quality connections and send them out, even the ones that don't accept you, there's no hard feelings there. It's like, no, it's just, it's just not a fit. And so if we slow it down, I think we have a much better effective rate than we do when we're trying to do this mass outreach. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree, I agree. And you know, that 99, it may be that they didn't, or 89, they didn't respond, but actually they don't have a good impression of you. And that's, right. you know, that's not what you want at all. So, so yeah. Let me ask you about the B2B world in the way that you think that, um, sales have shifted to be more kind of buyer or customer centric. Do, do you feel that we've we've gone far enough? Because you mentioned earlier that, or you implied earlier that actually not enough people are using the, the or have the mindset of, of adding value to the customer. It's all about them, they're blasting out. So what do you think the industry in general can be doing? Well, I think it's got to start at the top. It's got to start with the CEO, the CSO, the CRO, those that are training the people in their fields. Because listen, I'm not knocking salespeople that, that feel like they need to use automation and need to do these mass outreaches. The reason they're doing that is because they've got numbers they have to hit. Yeah. And 
those might those, those may be a revenue number for the month, but there's also probably a call number or a contact number of the day that they have to hit with this 80 dials or 100 dials or outreaches, maybe we'll call it now rather than dials. And so they're just doing what they're what they they're done, what what they've been taught to do. And and when it comes to actually getting together and having a, a sales meeting, what I say is, you know, sales professionals, we always come with a sales process that we've been taught. It's been drilled into our head by our leadership, and they've spent a lot of money on the sales process. But the problem is, is our buyers have a buying process. And I think that's really where the shift has to happen. Um, you know, when, when salespeople are coming into a sales meeting with their list, with the check boxes of, okay, now I do this and now I do this. And the whole goal is get to that end to get that signature. You know, they push the used to, I don't know how you do it on virtual now, you know, I'll email you the proposal for you to sign. Uh, we're just looking to get to that to determine whether there's success rather than slowing down and, and having the goal be truly more about how we can help them and, um, and, and not have that preconceived notion of, of this is what I'm doing. Scott Schilling has a great quote. He says, we need to come into every conversation with, with high intention and low attachment. High intention to help the other person, low attachment to what the outcome is going to be. And, and I think what's got to happen, the shift's got to happen, it's got to come from the top that they have to start looking at, okay, let's slow things down so that we're having meaningful conversations with our clients and with our prospects and not have the pressure to, you've got to close this. You've got to close this. Um, I heard a story recently about a sales rep who they, they were pressuring him as the end of the month. It was the end of the quarter and we need this deal. And he's like, look, I can push this deal through. I can, and I can get a signature. He says, but next month they're not going to buy. Mm -hmm. But if we wait to next month, it's going to be much higher. And the sales leadership was like, no, do it, do it now. It, it, you know, and it's that short term payoff that they're looking for rather than a long term relationship building. So I'm not really sure if I answered your, your question, but really where the shift to me has to happen is it's got to come from 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 the top down. So coming from from the top down, what kind of conversations do you have with you know the CROs, sales leaders, in order to shift their mindset uh, uh, around what the changes are and why this is really important, how it's going to hit the um, their bottom line and improve the outcomes. I think that the, the the conversation has to be around soft skills. It has to be around listening. It has to be about around authenticity and really true customer centric sales and customers, you know, we throw around the term customer service, customer service in and of itself is just a term. There's good customer service and there's bad customer service. So it's the customers that determine that, not us. And so how many conversations are we having with our clients to determine, was this a good experience for you? Was it a bad experience? Or are we getting the signature and then moving, moving on? You know, I just heard of a, a large company, very large company that, um, and I was told by one of their reps that, oh yeah, in, in this month of the year, it's, we, we, we all switch and they, they change all of our clients. They take some clients away and they give us new clients. And this is a company that's based solely on relationships with people. And I said, how is that good? 
How does that make any sense at all that suddenly you're my rep one day, but now somebody else is, is my rep another, and I don't even know it until somebody lets me know. It, it, it just totally, that makes sense maybe for the organization. In what way? Like, how can that make sense to the organization? For, for, for however they're developing or, or doing their hierarchy or their structure, it, it must make some kind of sense for them to do it. It makes absolutely no sense for the client or for the customer. It just but makes it just screams, doesn't it, how uncustomer focused they are. They're not thinking. And I suppose it goes back to that question about, you know, whether things have shifted. When you hear that about large organizations, they're not thinking about the customer and they're not taking the customers. But because because there isn't anyone, I think, that would think that was a good idea. But no, probably all the management would that have signed that off think it's a great idea. Right. And and they, yeah, I don't get it. And and that's why I'm like, no, we've got to, we've got to shift and we've got to look at, okay, how are we first, how first of all, how are we enabling our sale, our sales staff that are front and center with our clients to be the most successful people that they can be, the most successful humans they can be? And what is the training that we're giving them? Is it just strategy and tactics? Is it just okay, overcoming objections? and getting through our sales process, I would say most of the training is around that. How about active listening? How about repetitive, um, uh, persistent repetition of, of listening and responding back? How about, how are you doing as a person? How are you doing through, through this mental tough time that we have of, of COVID and the fact that you can't get in front of your clients? How are you doing with that? Or are they saying, all right, yeah, I know you can't meet with them. Find another way. And I bet you that's the that's what's that's what's happening. So we have to have the shift to soft skills. It's got to come around to the intangibles. And, and this is where the real struggle happens because if I'm a sales manager or a sales leader, I want the tangibles. Janice, I want to be able to look at your at your numbers and your quotas and say, yes, you hit them, yes, you're good. No, you didn't hit them, you're not good. And you know. Sales leaders, I think, forget what it's like to be a salesperson in the field that you made a great deal. You hit your quota this month. Wow, that's great. And how good how, for how long do you feel good? Five yeah. minutes, because yeah. then you remember, wait a minute, I had to do this again next month. Yeah. Or if you have a huge deal that's good for the year, you're like, oh, my God, my quota for next year is now through the roof. I've got to find another one like this. And God forbid, if we lose a deal, then what are we? I'm a failure. I, you know, I mean, I have conversations with salespeople all the time and just about ghosting, about their, about prospects not getting back to them. And where did their, where does our mind go? We were, our, our price was too high. We didn't, we didn't do it right. I didn't do a good enough presentation. They don't like me. And then you come to find out that 99% of the time, oh yeah, sorry, this happened or that happened. It's, totally nothing to do with the salesperson but where do our brains go our yeah. brains go immediately to i'm terrible i'm bad I, it's my fault i didn't do something right we need to shift that we need to support them and make them know and help them to know look you're really good at what you do we, we poured a lot of money into you to train you you've got the skills we're going to train you more so that you can go out and be the successful sales professional that that you you are and that you should be. And I think that's really where the shift's got to happen. 
I think we're a ways off from that. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree with you. Scale Your Cells Framework very much talks about reimagining the cells through customer excellence. And it's get sales leaders, because I think you need to stop, they need to get it before their sales um, professionals do. Hands they need down. to be in the shoes of the buyer and understand the buyer's process and how the, the buyer negotiates their own purchasing process. Right. And then it becomes less about you, the seller, the sales, mm -hmm. and more about, okay, I get it now. I, I get the pressure they're under. I, I get the problem they're having. I get that having a different um, a seller every three years is not helping them. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think when they get that this is, as you say, it's not a sales process, it's about the buying process. That's the thing that's primary. Um, once they start to understand that and how they can, at each of the touch points, create an excellent service, an excellent experience, make it easy for the, the customers, then the customers are more likely to, and buyers are more likely to, to come back. Um, yeah, yeah. So let me um, uh, ask you about your, your avenue into, um, you know, uh, social selling, you know, a brief of, of, of about your background, as to what was your kind of real focus and interest here? What was the thing that made you think, actually, I'm going to pursue this and this is a particular area I want to focus on? Well, I accidentally stumbled upon it uh, because it worked for me. So yeah. uh, in 2013, my wife had been in the print and promotional products industry for since 2000. 2013, her boss died rather suddenly. And uh, after back and forth and back and forth of us buying the company that didn't work. And so we needed to start our own company. I had a sales background. So guess who became the sales, the de facto salesperson, even though I had another job. So on my days off, I had two days off during the week, I would go out and I would sell. And I discovered this thing called LinkedIn because my wife actually, um, some of her clients were in Bermuda and one person changed jobs and went to work for a, a pretty large um, development agency in Bermuda and found my wife on LinkedIn. And I'm like, wow, this thing works. And uh, then in 2015, I was at a, uh, a trade show and Alice Hyman was speaking, talking about using social media. And at the end of that, I found out, I found out that I was the only one in the room out of 150 other sales reps in my industry that was using LinkedIn to get business. So fast forward another year, I was able to leave my other job. We built our business up. And so I had all these networkers, people in my networking relationship saying, hey, teach me how to use LinkedIn. So I was doing it for free. And then a buddy of mine said, listen, you could, you could record videos on how to do this and we could sell them. So I tried that. And I was so I was working for my wife and then doing this side hustle. And uh, I was in Bermuda at one of our clients, which was a, one of the large banks on island. And they said to me, listen, we know you do LinkedIn training. Can you train um, some of our wealth advisors and mortgage people how to use LinkedIn for, for sales? Being a good salesman, even though I had no clue how to do it, I said, sure, I can yes. do that. <laughs> I was in, a, I was in a, a chat group on LinkedIn that Bryn Tillman had put me into. I'd read her book years before and uh, had actually used that to do my profile. And that's where my success came from. So in the chat group, I just asked, hey, I've got a client that's a bank 
that's looking for training. I'm not sure how to do it or how to price it. Can someone help me? Bryn was the first one to say, yes, I can help you. Let's get on a call. And two weeks later, we were both happened to be at the LinkedIn um, offices in New York City in the Empire State Building for an event launch. And I kidded, just kidding around to her, I turned to her and said, hey, so seeing we're going to work together, we're going to, I was going to white label some of her stuff. I said, seeing we're going to work together, can I put social sales link on my experience section on LinkedIn, thinking it would give me credibility? And she turned to me and said, sure, she said, you can join the team if you want. And and that it'll be it'll be four years uh, next month in October wow. that that all happened. And so I came home and talked to my wife and I'm like, you know what, let's do it and uh, jumped in and Bryn and I started working together and, and it, it, it's been fantastic. So I don't work with my wife anymore, uh, even though I'm still kind of listed, but I don't do that. This is what I do and I love it. I love every day helping people leverage this platform that I was able to be so successful on. That is a fantastic story and segue to, um, you know, Bryn is such a, a great influence of, you know, in the industry and so, so generous. So I absolutely love you, love that. And thank you for sharing that with us. Um, I'm going to put all of your links because you've given me quite a few links um, in that. Do you want to just mention the resources, Bill? Sure. So, um, so first I would say the Making Sales Social Podcast. So if you go to socialsaleslink.com slash podcast, you'll have access to all of our, so we do two different, we do interviews just like Janice is doing with me now. We do interviews with sales and marketing leaders, but then also once a week, Bryn and Bob Woods and I do a LinkedIn Live that we record for Making Sales Social Live, where we give you tactical information on how to better leverage LinkedIn uh, for social selling. I would also encourage you to go to socialsaleslink.com slash library and sign up for our complimentary content library. We have all past webinars, master classes with people like Jen Gittimer, uh, Daryl Amy, Larry Levine, Keenan. Uh, we just recently had Bob Berg on. I mentioned him before with, with, with endless referrals. So you can go access all that at that. And then connect with me on LinkedIn. Send me a note. Tell me that you heard me here on Scale Your Sales. Wonderful. Thank you so much for that. And thank you for being so generous with your, your information. It's been a great pleasure having you as a guest on Scale Your Sales podcast, Bill. Oh, thank you for having me. And uh, to your listeners, it's been great spending time with you. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Scale Your Sales. Feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn or Twitter, Janice B. Gordon, to comment and share. I'd love it if you would leave a review on ratethispodcast.com slash scale your sales. Please subscribe for more weekly expert insights to scale your sales.